This is episode number 89, Manifesting Success with Christy Whitman. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. Lack always feels bad. Lack and limitation always feels bad. And abundance always feels good. And that is one of the universal laws. It's the law of sufficiency and abundance. And when you start to come from a place of being satisfied, looking for positive aspects, that feeling of being content, then you're entering into the doorway of abundance. I can't believe we're already on episode 89. That's 89 hours, 89 awesome people who have taught both me and you so much. And it's just been so awesome to be doing this show. I wanted to thank you guys for making the show a success and for being with me for the journey. It's been really cool to hear from some of you and also to just see how these episodes are creating positive change in the world and in your lives. They definitely have made a difference in my life, and I really do believe that the things that we consume make a huge difference. So the types of things you listen to, the types of things you read, the thoughts that you think make a difference in the things that you achieve and how you feel and how you show up. And today's episode actually goes into detail about that. Before I get into this week's guest, I wanted to ask you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're enjoying the show. And it only takes a second to just scroll down and leave a five-star review, and it makes a big difference in helping people find the show. One of my big goals is really growing this show and taking it to another level this year, and I definitely can't do that alone. So any way you can share the show with your friends, especially if it's making a difference for you, will be massively helpful. So thanks for screenshotting it and sharing it on social media. I share it on mine. Thank you to those of you who are supporting my work financially on Patreon or who are making one-time donations, it really does make a difference. And I just wanted to say big thank you for that. Today's episode is interesting and something that we haven't actually talked about on the show before. It's about energy. It's about momentum. It's about alignment. And have you ever felt that positive momentum when you're on the right track and that something was just meant to happen? It happens all the time. And whenever you're open to seeing it and being aware of it, it's not just a coincidence. So this podcast episode is with New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and coach, Christy Whitman, and she goes deep into the seven universal laws. You might be familiar with the law of attraction, which is just one of those laws where you manifest your energy to make something happen, and then it actually happens. Christy believes that really focusing on what you want and truly feeling what you want and thinking about it regularly will help you achieve success. Christy Whitman has appeared on Today and has also been featured in People, Women's Day, and Seventeen Magazine. Christy's most recent book, Quantum Success, is her roadmap to using the seven universal laws and how to turn your vision into a reality. And I just want to give her a quick shout out and thank you because she's made this book free for you to download. So just go to quantumsuccessbook.com and there's a free download for you if you want to check out the book. There's a lot of great insight in it, and we talk about that on today's show. She has a formula for creating success as an inside-out approach through the thoughts we think, the energy we put into the world, and the limits that we set among ourselves. So we also talk about creating positive momentum, three questions to ask yourself, viewing life with an abundance mindset, how to manifest the law of attraction, and how to figure out your higher vision. 
We also talk about what it means to actually have it all, which is the subject of another book that she's written. Personally, one of my focuses right now is gearing up for the 24 hours in the old Pueblo in Tucson, Arizona, and that's the February 15th through 17th weekend. I'm racing it as a co-ed duo with friend and also past teammate Gordon Wadsworth. We've raced together a lot at stage races, and we really wanted to do this race in the desert. The last time I did it, I believe, was in 2009, so I'm excited about it. I'm also a little bit anxious because I know how uncomfortable racing a duo is. I have a lot of experience in 24-hour racing. I've won the national championship racing co-ed duo in the past with John Davis, and I've also won the world championship in solo category for 24-hour racing. And to be honest, racing a co-ed duo is harder than racing solo. Instead of just riding your pace for 24 hours, you violently go hard for one hour and then you sit for an hour while your teammate goes out for a lap and you trade off every lap. So stopping is actually harder and you still don't sleep and you get really cold when you stop. So for me, I am working on looking at those I don't want to call them negative feelings, but the feelings of, oh my gosh, it's going to be cold. Oh my gosh, it's going to hurt so bad. And trying to say, this is awesome. I'm excited that I'm going to feel this way. I'm excited that I feel anxious about it because I normally don't feel anxious about races or the discomfort associated with it. And it's going to be a great opportunity to quote, go to that dark place, come out of it and be stronger. If you want to follow my work, I have a free bi-weekly newsletter on my website. Go to sonyalooney.com slash newsletter where I send out tips. I send out the most recent podcast from the last two weeks and any type of news or races that I just did. Awesome. So let's get into this really interesting show with Christy Whitman. I'm super stoked that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, so I have spent a bunch of time looking at your work and reading your work, and I'm really impressed with everything that you've done. And I just firstly wanted to tell you congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, Sonia. That's very nice. Thank you. Yeah, so how did you get to where you are today? I mean, you've you've given TED Talks, you've written five books, you do a lot of coaching. Everyone has to build something out of nothing. So where did you start? Well, I've been working with universal laws and applying it in my own life for about 22 years now. I actually started coaching people after, you know, it kind of happened backwards for me. I had a, my first book, Perfect Pictures, that literally was shown to me in a meditation. And then it was like I was downloading it. It was being kind of channeled through me, if you will. And I got that first one published. And that was about 17 years ago. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, once the book was published, I started speaking on the contents in the book. And people at the speaking engagements were like, do you coach? And back then, 17 years ago, I mean, my frame of reference, most people's frame of reference for coaching was like a cheerleading coach, a football coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I had no idea. I'm like, people make money doing this? I mean, like, this is like a profession. So I pursued it because I just loved it. And I would I would tell people in my conferences, like, just, just get on the phone. I'm not going to charge anything. I'll help you walk through the, you know, the processes in my book. And they started getting like, such amazing results. And the more I started learning, the more I was applying. And at the time I was a pharmaceutical rep. So I was like winning like every single regional national award. And, you know, people on my team were like, if there was any type of award for any of the medications that we were selling, it was always like Christy Whitman. Cause you know, I kept winning, you know, I just <laughs> have a call having all this success. They were getting a little bored with me getting all the bonuses and the awards and all that stuff. And one very smart woman, her name was Letitia said to me, what are you doing? You do something different that most people don't do. And she goes, you make it look effortless. What are you doing? 
And she was at the lower, like if there was say 450 people in the company that were salespeople, she was like 448. She was super, super low. And she said, I want to hire you as a coach. So she was my first client that actually paid me to coach her. And within 12 weeks, she went up to the top rankings in the company. And within 12 weeks after that, she won president's trophy, which is like the coveted, you know, like the salesperson of the year kind of thing, the top 1%. And I just loved it so much. And then she referred a friend to me and that person went from making $70,000 a year to 125 the next year. I mean, it was like the successes just kept going up and up because what I now understand is that it's universal laws that I'm coaching on and teaching about. And so when anybody does it, when anybody applies it, because it's universal, you know, it works for every single person, they're going to have that type of success. So I went to school for it. And about 12 years ago, I went full time into my coaching business and haven't looked back. So wow. And you said that your first idea for your first book came to you in a meditation. Now, I think that's a really interesting thing. Because meditation does free up space by not controlling your thoughts, but just recognizing whenever thoughts are coming in and going out. So how did you know that that was your idea? How did you actually execute that? Because lots of us have great ideas all the time, but a lot of times we don't know what idea to act on, or if we even want to act on it, we have trouble getting started or even believing in ourselves. That's a great question. So in the meditation, I saw a visualization for my book, but it was at night at one Oh five in the morning, I was woken up like literally with someone whispering in my head. And so I couldn't stop. I couldn't go back to sleep. I couldn't stop the voice. So I got up and just started. It was amazing what I was hearing. I knew it wasn't my voice. It was like, I was hearing this information. So I started writing it down and and it was like, my hand was not my own anymore. It just kept going and going and going. And so I just allowed myself to be this open channel for whatever information was coming through And to answer your question, I could not not do it. It was like I had to just keep writing because for seven nights in a row, 105 in the morning, the next chapter came and the next chapter came and the next chapter came. So I knew that this was bigger than me. And for me to not do it, it was like uh, there was no way. It was like every part of my being was like, I think I'm writing a book. So I reached out to an author that I knew and I said, how do you get a book published? And she said, go on the Internet and find a literary agent. I literally at that time, I mean, this is, you know, over 17 years ago now, I typed in literary agent, you know, and this guy's picture came up and his name was Glenn Millette and he happened to have a print on demand company. I didn't know what print on demand was. I had no idea about the printing, you know, industry or publishing industry at all. So he's like, send me your manuscript. I sent it to him. It was barely edited and he accepted it. So that was me getting my first book published. And Ever since then, every single book that I have, including my latest book, Quantum Success, it downloads through me. I mean, Quantum Success was given to me at three in the morning on a cruise ship when my family and I were on vacation and everybody's sleeping and I could feel the feeling. I had that voice in my head. So I had to grab a journal and a pen and the only place I could go because everybody was sleeping everywhere was in the bathroom. So I put up a bunch of towels and I crouched down on the, you know, on the floor and again, my arm just became not my own and the information started flowing out. Wow. So you talked about universal laws. You've used that terminology multiple times. And I think some of our listeners might be thinking, well, what is a universal law? So could you talk about the different universal laws? Yes, absolutely. So I like to think of it as gravity. We all know that there's this thing called gravity. It's a thing that we all have to deal with and it makes sense. And even if we're thinking about it or not, it's still working. 
So, you know, Sonia, you and I are having a conversation and it's not like we're thinking about gravity in order to sit down in our chairs. I mean, we're not, it's not like if we're not thinking about we're flying off into outer space, right? Or we're flying on top of the ceiling. It's just working whether we're aware of it or not. There's universal laws that exist. And most of us, most human beings don't even know about these laws, although they are in every single, they're present in every single religion. Like Jesus Christ used to talk about, you know, have the faith of a mustard seed. Buddha would talk about as a man thinketh he become. These are universal principles, although they're called things like law of attraction, law of sufficiency and abundance, law of pure potentiality. And each of them are important to understand. It's like knowing the rules of game. You know, you said you were a mountain biker, right? So, you know, it's important to know what terrains you can go on. Like, what are the rules of the game? You know, what do you have to do when you get to a rocky terrain versus if you have a smooth surface? It's like going and playing baseball for the first time and someone hands you a baseball bat and says, okay, hit the ball. And you hit the ball and you run to third base. And then they're like, run, you know, so you run, you run to third base and then now you're out, right? Because you didn't run to first because those are the rules of the game. So knowing about the universal laws are really important. And they work for every single person. It doesn't matter if you're man or woman, if you live in Canada or the United States or Europe, it just doesn't matter. They're working all the time. One of the things you have to understand is that all of us are like energy towers that are sending out a signal all day, every day. It's now proven through science, quantum physics, that everything is energy. And we are always giving off energy signals all the time through the thoughts that we think, through the beliefs that we have, the perspectives, what we say, what we do, the emotions that we have. So it's like we're sending out signals all day, every day. And those signals are there. It's energy. And all energy is communication that goes out to the universe and matches signals that are just like it. So like attracts like. Law of attraction basically says what you send out comes back to you. It's like a boomerang. And there are other universal laws that are important to understand that. So if we're thinking bad negative thoughts, bad negativity is going to come back to us. If we're thinking positive thoughts, positive things are going to be coming back to us. But it's not just in our thoughts. It's in our dominant vibration, the energy that we send out. So someone could be like, oh, I'm being so positive. But you could be like seething inside. The universe doesn't hear the thoughts. The universe picks up on the vibrations. And so the most dominant vibration, it could be like that anger that you're feeling inside, even though you're trying to think positive, you know, and it's like the, the universe is going to give you more things to be angry about. Yeah. And where did these laws come from? I mean, you mentioned that different religions have kind of brought up a lot of different laws, but where did this idea generate or initially like come from? Well, it's amazing because it actually was, they came about when the whole entire universe came about. I mean, they're universal. It's not like they just, oh, in 1982, you know, like they discovered this kind of thing. It's, it literally is, there are people that wrote about the law of attraction and, you know, did actually say law of attraction, but even back in the 1912s, when there was early writings of, you know, everything in the universe is vibration and that, you know, even Einstein said it. You know, everything is vibration. That's all there is to it. You match what you want with the signal and it's not philosophy. It's not just physics or it is physics. It's not just philosophy. So when you look at, it's interesting because I certify coaches. I certify law of attraction coaches and have been since 2008. And I had coaches that have gone through the program that really love to study ancient religions and would study all of them and find a commonality between all of them and that it is part of their teachings. You know, it's like you focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. When you think of like Jesus Christ, he would look and be able to heal someone, not because he looked at what was wrong with them, but he looked at them in well-being. 
you know, so there's, there's so many different things. I mean, it's literally from the birthing of the universe when they came about. One of the biggest proponents and teachers that I learned from is in the 80s, they started channeling called Abraham Hicks. And they started teaching about this thing called law of attraction. So I like this because we all have felt it. We have energy. We felt positive momentum in our lives. We felt negative momentum in our lives. We've also felt the energy of other people around us. The people who, when you're around them, you feel instantly more positive, more energetic, more excited. And then the people that you hang out with where they're complaining all the time and everything's always just harder than it needs to be. And you can just, sometimes you can just tell that without even speaking to somebody, just walking up to somebody and you just feel it. So we've all felt that this energy that's out there. So I wanted to talk about energy flow because you already mentioned like whenever you start thinking of things and whenever you start putting out the right vibes into the universe about positive energy and things that you want and things like that, there's things that start happening that start pulling you along. Like you almost feel this imaginary hand pulling you along in that direction. But yeah, the problem with this is people might be thinking, well, yeah, like I can think positive, but then, well, there's that, that negative thing. And I'm trying so hard not to think about it. And whenever you try really hard not to think about something, you start thinking about it more and more. So how can people pull themselves out of that cycle where they're trying desperately to think of something positive, but something negative just keeps creeping back in? That's a great question. I like to think of it this way. You know, like when you've had a lot to drink and the next day you get a hangover, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times our past thinking created the situations that we have in our lives now. So say, for example, someone has issues with money and they can't make enough money and they're struggling with money. Well, all of the thinking that created that situation is in your energy field. It, it comes from our parents and what our parents thought and felt about money and if they had shortage and if they argued about it or if they never even talked about it and it was a huge mystery. I mean, there's there's all this programming that has led us to hold an energetic vibe towards something. Everything in the universe we are in relationship with and all relationships start inside of ourselves. So if we're having an issue, say, with money, money doesn't have an opinion. It doesn't go, you know what? I love Sonia, but I don't like Christy. And Sonia deserves money. It deserves me, but Christy doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't do that. It's not like another human being. So money is like green energy. So when you, the energy tower, clean up your own relationship, your inner relationship with money, then you're clear and clean and you can attract more money. But I like to answer your question. You know, there's this thing that... The universe is literally full of different varieties, right? It's like that we, there's so much going on. It's like a huge buffet. And it's like going up to a buffet that has every kind of food you can imagine, right? And you walk up to the buffet and say, like for myself, I'm not a big curry fan, right? So you go up to this buffet and you see that there's some curry plates and you're like, oh, great. Now I can't have anything on this buffet because there's curry, you know, and your friend's like, well, go over to the Italian area. Yeah, but you know what? There's curry. How can I enjoy my meal now because there's curry? And it's like, we get so focused on what we don't want that we can't see all the other beautiful dishes and delights and opportunities and adventures and all the other possibilities. So when contrast like curry shows up on your buffet, it's important to take your attention off of it by asking yourself three questions. What do I want? Why do I want it? And how do I want to feel? So we can break that down. When you stop looking at what you don't want and start looking at what you do want, your focus goes in a different direction. So that's step number one. Number two is when you start listing out 
why you want the things that you want. Doesn't matter if it's more money or a partner or more career success or a big European vacation. Doesn't matter what it is. When you start saying the whys of why you want something, well, I want to make more money. Why? I want to you know, make choices in my life. I want to feel like I can go shopping if I want to. I want to drive a better car, a more reliable car. I want to help my kids get into a better college. I want to help my parents. I want to start a foundation. You know, all the reasons why you want. Now your mind is completely off of the situation that you don't want. You're focused on what you do want. And vibrationally, what happens is you're thinking of a subject. You're giving off a, a signal to that subject. Law of attraction matches that signal and it feeds the cycle. If you deliberately, it's the second law, law of deliberate creation. If you literally shift your attention and why you want something, now the signal you're giving out is positive, happy, joyful, abundant vibe towards what you do want. Law of attraction kicks in and starts giving that to you. So it's important that once you realize what you don't want, you shift into what you do want. You feel the possibilities. You feel the excitement. The other thing, the third reason, say, what do you want? Why do you want it? And then how do you want to feel? Most people think if I just make more money, then I'll be powerful or then I'll be happy or then I'll be successful. Or if I could just find the guy and get married, then I'll be, or if I could just have the kid, or if I could just go on that vacation, or if I could just drive this car, then I'll feel. And we're creating life from a very outside in approach. If I go get this, then I'll feel. But what happens is, because of the law of sufficiency and abundance, we're coming from a place of lack. And when we go to try to accomplish something and we're projecting that feeling, that fulfillment outside of us, we get there and it's like, huh, that didn't work. I mean, I don't know how many times in my life where it's like, I just want to make this amount of money. And I go make this amount of money thinking it's going to make me feel some way. And it's like, well, that didn't work. You know what? I have to make more money. Oh, okay. It's not this amount. It's this amount. So I could then go and make that amount of money and go, okay, well, I'm working harder and I'm making more money and I'm still not happy. Or I've accomplished this goal. I got the man of my dreams or I did this or I did that and I'm still not feeling happy. And the reason is, is because when you're coming from lack and limitation, you never feel good. And when you're trying to project things outside of yourself, when you finally reach that goal, the feeling isn't waiting for you. You have to conjure up the feeling inside of you now. And that's actually when you attract those things. It's not an outside in approach. It's an inside out approach. And when you're coming from a place of already feeling the success, the love, the fulfillment, the joy, the abundance, prosperity, whatever it is, then you are like a magnet and you attract more of those things to you. So how do you actually do that? Like, can you give an example? Yeah. So for example, if you want to, let, let's just go through said, right? Okay. So I won't make more money. First of all, what's more money? If I give you a dollar, that's more money. Is that going to make you happy? Right? So what's the amount you think that you want to make? Because you're going to have more choices. You're going to be able to buy a better car, whatever it is. So I want more money. I want this amount more money, $10,000 more a month, whatever it is. This is why I want it. This is how I'm going to feel. So I want to feel secure, right? So you just take a moment just what would it feel like to be secure right here, right now, without anything else having to change? If I felt secure in my life or happiness or joy or whatever it is, if I felt secure, what would that feel like? I share this in my book, Quantum Success. There were years ago where I never felt the feeling of being on purpose. You know, I was making a lot of money as a pharmaceutical rep and, you know, I just didn't feel like it, there was much meaning in what I did. 
and I would had success in, you know, other companies and stuff like that, being working at Pepsi Cola or working for a wine company. And it just never brought me that sense of purpose or meaning. I'm like, who cares if I sell more of this? What does it even mean? So I started conjuring up. I started bringing in the feeling of what it would feel like to be on purpose. Even though I had no idea what form that was going to take, I just felt consistently I'm on purpose. This is what it feels like. I would imagine it. I would visualize it. I would just bring in the feelings inside of my body of what it felt. This was what it would feel like to be on purpose. It's almost like an actor playing a role in a movie. This is what, this is me on purpose kind of thing. Right. And it's amazing because what happened is now, as we just got on the call, I was telling you, Oh, I just love what I do. You know, I'm so on purpose with what I do. And it took a very short period of time. That's when my book first came through me. That's when my book got published and I started speaking and then I started coaching. And each time I did that, it even brought in and solidified that feeling of being on purpose to me that now what I get to do for a living, what I get to do all day, every day is I'm doing things that are on purpose for me. So it's imagining as if not faking it. I hate when people say fake it till you make it, you know, it's really bringing in If I felt on purpose, if I felt fulfilled, if I felt loved, if I felt connected, if I felt joy, prosperous, abundant, what would that feel like inside of myself? If I felt the feeling of freedom. But what if people don't actually know what that feels like? Like, because you can speculate what that feels like, but what if somebody never has felt that security or they never have felt love before and then they're trying to imagine what that would feel like? Like, how do you fix that disconnect? Well, it's amazing because we live in a holographic universe. So we actually do have, we all have had moments of feeling, but I get what you're saying. And for example, if someone has always been heavy and they've never felt what it felt like to be thin, we could start to still imagine we have the capacity. We, we are amazing human beings. We have the ability to visualize, to use our imagination. We also have the ability to feel things without stuff happening outside of ourselves. So even if a really overweight person that's never in their life felt thin or in shape, they start to feel in their body what it would feel like to feel thin. And they do that on a consistent basis that you're changing the vibration. And when you start to change the vibration, what happens is you start to want to eat different foods and you want to start moving your body, do it consistently enough. And you actually become what you feel. So people that I've helped so many people, including myself, that have always struggled with money, that have always struggled with work, that have always been in debt or you know just wrestled around with money, always feeling like they were in lack and bringing in that feeling of being in abundance and feeling financially abundant. And when you do that consistently enough, because it's vibration, you actually start to, it like it strengthens, it intensifies. You start to get comfortable with it. You know, it's a new relationship. And when you do that enough and it then becomes your reality, and that's how you actually do it as you spend time doing it, practicing it. Yeah. And I really like the abundance law. It's something that I actually think about and practice regularly in my life because we all are in highly competitive environments. And for me, it's not just about the racing and the race results, but running the business and like people always want help. Like, how are you doing this? And can you help me be better? And a lot of times, whenever people are in competitive environments, they're afraid to share their secrets. They're afraid to give away in fear that somebody else might take what they have. And that is the opposite of abundance. So a couple of years ago, yeah. I said, you know what? I'm going to really make an effort, even if I get that little like icky feeling inside where I want to pull back and not help because I'm afraid for myself. I'm going to do it anyway. And that has been really rewarding because the pie just gets bigger for all of us. It doesn't get smaller. It gets better. And 
for me, that's been a great example of how abundance has made things better in my life. And also just the feeling of that is just, it doesn't feel icky. It feels good. Well, that's it. And I love what you said. It's like most of us are trained that there's this one pie and we all have to fight to get our share of it. Or those of us that are type A and we're like, yeah, I want all as much as the pie as I can. And then there's others that are like more B personality. They're, they're kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to take more than my share. So I'll just kind of sit back and let others have it. So, you know, I'm not taking too much, but the fact is, is that we don't each have our own pies. We're not sharing a pie. We have our own bakeries. We can make as many pies as we want. There's no limits in this universe. I was exactly what you were saying. I was at an Elton John concert the other night with my dad, with my dad, with my husband. And I was looking at, I don't know why I said my dad, with my husband. And I was like looking at the crowd and I was just from a, from a, just it kind of blew my mind thinking about it. Like when you're talking about how many clients are out there, competition and all that stuff. I was like, gosh, you know, Elton John, this arena is completely sold out. And yet this is only a small portion of the people that are in this city that love his music. And then you think about all the other cities and all the other states and all the other countries and all the other people that would fill stadium after stadium after stadium. I mean, how many people actually are out there that could, could use your services or you could use your help? And it was just mind-blowing to me because it's like, I couldn't serve all those people. You know, I, there's, there's more than enough to go around. And when you're coming from that perspective, it's like you don't feel lack because lack always feels bad. Lack and limitation always feels bad. And abundance always feels good. And that is one of the universal laws. It's the law of sufficiency and abundance. And when you start to come from a place of being satisfied, looking for positive aspects, that feeling of being content, then you're entering into the doorway of abundance. And when we're in lack and limitation, we cannot, it's too far of a spectrum. Our vibrations are too off. We can't attract abundance from a place of lack. Yeah. And something I think is also really interesting is back to some of the questions, the three questions. And sometimes if we ask ourselves, we think we really want something, but when we start asking ourselves those questions, the, why do I want this? And what would it do for me? Sometimes you realize, well, actually, like if I make more money or if I get more of X, Y, or Z, I'm actually not going to feel that much different. And I think that that is a really great example of feeling like you're enough of having that moment of, wow, like I actually already have everything I need. So why am I so worried about doing more and getting more? Absolutely. That's part of it is that there's this epidemic of, you know, we're not enough. We don't have enough. And we look at everything. If you're having that feeling inside that everything is lacking, you're going to project onto your kids, your husband, your wife, your boss your clients, everyone in the universe, that nothing is ever enough. And there's so that drive and strive comes in to get more, to have more, to be, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when you come from a place of right here, right now, I am enough. I have enough. I'm grateful for what I have. You know, when an idea comes in, you're like, Ooh, I just want to do it because I have to get something, but because it would feel good in doing it. And, and people, cause people ask me all the time, well, if you're not driving or striving, and if you don't feel like you got to go and get yours kind of thing, where's the motivation? It's not motivation anymore. It's inspiration. It comes from being so inspired that you want to take the action. And that's what I talk about quantum success. It's really a formula of alignment and momentum. Alignment meaning focus on what you want, feel what you want, you know, be in the place of being connected to the abundance of what you want, of already feeling the feeling of having it, appreciating what you have, be grateful for what you have, and then taking massive action, momentum on the things that you want to do in your life. 
Yeah. And I think the book was laid out in a really good way. Like I think a really difficult thing about writing a book is organizing your ideas in such a way where it actually goes in the right order and it makes sense. And one idea can build upon another. And I found that in your book, I haven't read it like detail for detail, but I've skimmed the entire book and I thought that it was really well done. And I'm excited to go back and like read the smaller details. And something in the book that I really liked was there's a section about the tipping point. And that's something that is is really difficult for a lot of us because we'll be working towards something. We'll be pushing and pushing, thinking like, when is it going to get there? And to me, like the tipping point is like an ice cube. It's like the ice cube is there and it might be in room temperature, but it takes it time to change states. It takes it time to melt. So what advice do you have for people whenever, say they are in a, in a place of positive momentum, but the big things aren't happening yet, they haven't reached their tipping point. What's the best way to proceed and to stick with it? To stay focused on the present moment, to stay focused on all the good that you do have. Because if you start going, well, where's my stuff? I'm, I'm thinking positively. I'm feeling good. I'm doing all this stuff. And, and as a human, you know, it, it's a it's very natural to do that. I'm working so hard. I'm doing the inner work, the outer work. I'm doing all this stuff. Where's, where is it? How come it hasn't shown up yet? But the minute your mind and your energy goes to the lack of it, now you're focused in the wrong direction. So it's really important to keep your energy very, very clear and your focus very clear on what you want. And that's really where you have to build that muscle of trust, you know, really trusting that everything you're doing is going to pay off in some way. Sometimes right in this moment, we can't see it, but it will pay off. And it's that building of that trust that in knowing that it's that knowing that everything I'm doing, whether it's internal growth or outer growth, internal work, outer work, whatever it is, that because everything is energy and everything is vibration, if I just stay in the momentum of creating what I want and I focus and I'm deliberate in how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what I'm saying, you know, the perspectives I'm holding, that it will absolutely manifest. It has to, it's law. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I think that there's a big mindfulness piece that plays a role in this because if you're not mindful of your thoughts, then you don't know that you're thinking negative thoughts or you're looking at through the lens of lack instead of the lens of appreciation. And that mindfulness can come from a meditation practice. It can come from journaling. But what if people are just really having trouble with that mindfulness piece and they keep going off on these negative tangents? Like, how do you help people that just really are struggling knowing that they should be thinking positively, but just can't get there? Well, you know, that's why I think coaching is huge. I, I think everybody needs to have a coach, honestly, because if someone is trying to accomplish something, if they're trying to create their life that's different than the one that they know, it's important to have someone to hold them accountable. Because, you know, there are times clients come to me on a call and they're talking about something. I'm like, whoa, 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 you, you keep saying this. You've said 10 times, I can't. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. You know, it's like sometimes we are just talking and explaining, we're sharing a story and we don't realize what we're saying, how we're saying it and how it's affecting our vibration. So, I mean, for me and one of my biggest success secrets has been, always been having a mentor or having a coach that can hold me accountable, that can show me and give me, you know, shortcuts to what to do and help me raise my vibration. And in times where I get stuck in lack to be able to rise me up to hold a different higher vision for myself. And, you know, that's one of the, the keys. Affirmations, you know, saying affirmations and having affirmations that really speak to you, especially when, you know, in, in checking in with yourself, especially when you're in the beginning of trying to change a situation, it's like a muscle, you know, saying those affirmations with feeling and conviction. Now, 
I will say this affirmations don't work. If you're like, oh, I am abundant. I'm abundant. <laughs> It just, it's not changing anything, right? It's just like, you're not shifting energy. You have to remember with an affirmation, you're wanting to get your mind and your focus off the old energy, the old thoughts, the stuff you don't want and onto a better feeling thought. So it's like, I'm abundant. And like feeling that in your body, I'm abundant. I am abundant. I'm abundant, you know, and like really feeling that so that you're changing your energetic state within your body. And then when you find yourself slipping back, that's when you take out the affirmations and you, I'm abundant. No, I'm not going to give into that. I'm abundant. My reality is I'm abundant. I'm abundant. This is abundant universe. Everything is working out, you know, whatever those, and you put yourself in a state of raising deliberately your own vibrations so that you don't get stuck and go in the lower vibrations. Meditation is another tool, you know, for people that have never meditated or hear the word meditation, I am not talking about a guru on the top of the hill in a yoga position with his fingers in a certain way. I'm literally talking about sitting in silence in your car, in a chair, and literally just surrendering every thought you think, putting them in, put them in a bubble, let them float away, or listening to like chimes and listening to just the chimes, focusing on one thing, letting your mind be still because our minds are like crazy. And there's more things that make our minds crazy nowadays. And it's the same mind that will be like, Sonia, the only thing that will make you feel good right now is if you go eat ice cream, eat ice cream, eat ice cream. All you want to do is eat ice cream. That's the only thing that's going to make you feel good, eat ice cream. And then you go eat the ice cream and then it's like, Sonia, you big fat dummy, why did you do that? You know, you don't want to eat ice cream. You know, you said you wanted to be fit and trim and, you know, and it's the same mind. I don't know if your mind does that, but it's the same mind that's like, oh, the chocolate, chocolate is the old chocolate, 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 chocolate. It's chocolate's the only thing that's going to make you feel better. You, you know, one thing you're missing right now in this moment that would make it better is chocolate. And then you go eat the chocolate and you're like, oh, I feel horrible. Why did I do that? You know, I, why did I eat the whole box of chocolates, right? It's the same mind that's lying to us. That's like, you know, telling us to do one thing and then yelling at us to not do the other thing. And when we don't have that time for mindfulness, when we allow our thoughts to just settle down, we need to take that time to connect with the bigger part of who we are. Yeah. And in your book, Quantum Success, there's a, a whole section on pruning and cutting out the things that no longer serve us. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. It's like when you think about gardening, you know, when you're doing any type of gardening, it's important to go in and cut out the weeds so that the flowers that are there can flourish. And even when you have like, say, an apple tree or a tree, you know, that's got all those like branches lower down on the bottom, when you prune them, the tree can actually grow bigger and have more fruit and, and that sort of thing. And that's really what happens in our lives. And most humans are afraid of letting things go, because we're so attached to things. That's where the law of detachment comes in, why it's important. Because if people in your life, for example, are negative, if they're not serving you in a good way, if they're pulling your energy down, Jim Rohn always says you are the average of the five people that you spend time with. So if you have a lot of people that are really negative, very lackful thinking, they're constantly in drama and chaos, your energy is going to pick up on theirs. And so when you're trying to change your life and come to a different place, sometimes you have to let go of people that constantly are in that state or pull your energy down or can't support you the way you need to be supported. Sometimes in your business, it's letting go of things that you always did and they might've worked at one point, but letting those things go because they no longer serve you, you know, decluttering your home is letting go of all the things that hold energy and that pull your energy down that really allows you to buoy up like the tree, 
I think that's a really great visualization. And we've all felt it. Like whenever you get rid of stuff from your closet or even when you get a haircut, like you feel lighter. Exactly. That's a great example. That's true. And I wanted to talk about vision because a lot of times people have sent me messages saying, well, there's all these great tools, but I don't know what my purpose is, or I don't know like where I'm supposed to go next. Or maybe someone's already like left the job that they didn't like or changed sports or whatever, and then achieved a level of success. And now they're like, well, now what am I supposed to do? So what are some tools or some questions people can ask themselves to help tease out what that broader vision is? You know, for me, it's really about Again, this alignment and momentum, it's aligning with what purpose is, what success is, what abundance is. I always say that for me, it was interesting because once I got clear what I was missing in my life, what I felt I was perceiving was missing in my life was that feeling of purpose. And so I started to imagine it and conjure it and started to get comfortable with feeling what purpose was. I didn't know the form that it would take. You know, I didn't know it would mean doing this or making a living at that or how it would manifest. I just continued to stay where I was doing what I was doing, but in a very purposeful way. And now it's funny when I look at it is if I was to draw a circle in the middle of a a page, you know, and that would be like the energy of purpose. Now for me, that has manifested in all aspects of my life, but in my career specifically, it's like, I am an author. I write books. I am a speaker. I do interviews. I do trainings online. I do coaching. I do healing. I do channeling. You know, there's workshops. I mean, there's so many different ways that out of that core hub, if you will, of purpose and that feeling, it manifested and created these different spokes that has turned into a form. And as long as someone is very true to energetically what they want and why they want it. And they're taking the action steps towards that when they get the idea, then it will manifest. Because again, for me, I was in that space of purpose. I got this book, there's what seemed to be a book, I got this information. And I did whatever I needed to do as the human counterpart to make sure that the book got submitted. And then the book got edited and the book got You know, then when the book came in my hands and everybody that I knew bought it and they were not the target audience for it to go out and find the target audience that was and to go and speak in spiritual bookstores and churches and places like that. And when people are asking me about coaching, you know, to continue to follow, it's like you get when you're aligned, you get the next step, but you have to take that step. You don't get given, you you don't get shown a step. And they go, yeah, I'm, I'm going to wait until the next 10 steps show up. It's not going to be shown to you. You have to take that first step. And then after you take that first step and you're in the middle of the process of taking the next step, the next one's revealed. Things are always revealed in that order. It's not like you don't get shown, like I think it was Martin Luther King said, you don't get shown the whole staircase. You just get shown a step at a time. Yeah. And I think that this is a really good point because especially for the skeptics out there, they might be thinking like, Oh, you sit there and you just think these happy thoughts and then all this magical things start happening in your life. No, that's not how it works. It's like you just mentioned a bunch of different steps of actionable items that you did work that you actually put in to implement these ideas. So I think a lot of times the law of attraction gets people kind of laugh at it because they think, oh, I'm just going to imagine that I get a million dollars and poof, I have a million dollars. It's like, no, but it creates the space and it creates the energy in your life so that you feel empowered to start taking those steps in those directions. Yeah. And I always say it's only one law. 
I mean, you know, there are times where I've had spooky, crazy things happen where one of my favorite stories is literally I was sitting in my office and I'm like, God, I was living in Montreal. It was a cold night. And I just got done telling my husband, like, I would love a hot chocolate. And he's like, we don't have any hot chocolate stuff. And I couldn't go to the store because I was just about to teach a class. And so I'm like, oh, well. So I went up into my office. I looked down at a box that had been sitting there for like a couple of days. I decided to open it. And it was literally a cup of hot chocolate with chocolate powder. You know, and it was like, I was craving this hot chocolate. And I'm like, I went downstairs. I'm like, Frederick, check this out. And he's like, how did you, literally it manifest, it felt like it manifested out of, you know, well, the chocolate was there. I had to open the box. That was the action I had to take. I had to go downstairs and make the hot chocolate. It didn't just like appear hot chocolate in front of my face. Right. And that's just a small example, but you know, everything that we want in life, we're going to have to put energy towards. Cause you know, there's one of the laws I talk about is a law of polarity. We're both physical and metaphysical. So the metaphysical is the part of us that gives us the desires, that gives us the ideas, it plants that in us. And we, as the physical counterpart to it, have to then do what it cannot do. And that's take the action, take the steps, put ourselves out there, do whatever it is, write the email, call the person, organize something, you know, write the book, type something. We're the ones that have to take the physical action in order to achieve what we want. Yeah. And I mean, there's also those people that say, oh, like, you've achieved so much. You're so lucky, but I actually don't believe that it's lucky. It's you see an opportunity, like you're open enough to see that opportunity. And then you have the courage to take steps in the direction of that opportunity instead of saying, well, I can't do it, or I'll just wait till another time. And just having the courage to take that step and having the, like the mindfulness and the, the thought process and the energy around it really helps. Like it's helped me a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's one way of doing it. It's like, okay, I want that goal. I'm going to push towards it. I don't really believe it. And it's going to suck. And you know, and I'm not going to enjoy it. And it's probably not going to work out the way I want to, but I'm gonna continue to take the action. Well, that doesn't feel good. Right. Or there's those that are like, oh, everything's so groovy and wonderful. And everything's going to work out for me. But then they sit back and then they don't take the action. You know, it's doing both. It's having that positive attitude it's feeling good and excited about what the end result's going to be, what the feeling is that you're after, bringing in the feeling of as you're doing it. It's not about the destination, it's the journey. It's feeling it all along the steps of the journey, but then taking the action. It's those that combine both, that take massive action with a positive attitude and do it consistently and persevere when things don't always go perfectly right. You know, I've gone through many, many obstacles in my business and, you know, hurtled over them because they weren't going to be the things that stopped me because it's too important to me. It's my purpose. It's what drives me. It's what pulls me. It's what inspires me. And so small things, you know, people, places or things, if they come in as contrast, I just navigate around them instead of letting them stop me. Whereas a lot of people let stuff stop them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people, when you think about it, the way they describe law of attraction is luck or out of the blue, or it was like serendipity, you know, or oh, it was so meant to be. These are all ways of describing law of attraction. You know, you think of someone, all of a sudden they call. That happened with my Pilates instructor today. I'm like, you know what? I have to cancel tomorrow at 2.30 with my Pilates instructor. I look down, I go to grab my phone and she's like, hey, can we switch your appointment tomorrow? 2.30 doesn't work. And I'm like, there you go. Yeah. It's like, it's synchronicity, right? Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, I know we've been talking about quantum success, but one of your other books is called the art of having it all. And 
I would love to hear how you can define having it all because that can mean lots of different things for lots of different people. And people say, oh, you can't have it all. And I, I just found the speeches I listened to really, really awesome. So can you talk about that? Yeah. So, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of those, again, that book birthed through me because I was at a media conference and I walked up to this writer and she was with a freelance writer for New York Magazine. I was so excited. I'm like, what do all women, New York women want? And she said, what? And I said, they want it all. And she immediately started telling me how women can't have it all and they have to decide and that women are too overworked and, you know, and they're, they think that they can have this perfect life and that, that, that. And, and she's like, do you know anybody that has it all? And I said, yeah, myself. And I started listing all the ways I have it all. And I said, I have clients that have it all and started listing very different conditions that they have that I don't have. And, but for them, it's having it all. And she immediately handed me back my information. She goes, I won't be needing this because I don't believe women can have it all. And I said, well, there in lies the problem. Because why are you arguing for your limitations? And exactly what you're saying, having it all is not the same thing for all women. It's not the same thing for each person. It certainly is not the same thing for me as a woman as it was in my 20s or it was in my 30s or as it is in my 40s and as I'm entering into my 50s. Having it all is different. It could be something day to day, but having it all is what do you love? What do you want in each aspect of your life, in your body, in your finances, in your career, in your relationships? Do you want kids or not? You know, having it all does not mean having 2.5 kids, which I don't even understand how you can have half a kid anyway, you know, with a white picket fence and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's not having it all. We get to decide what we want and why we want it and how we want to feel. We have the power to create those things. And I also want to say having it all does not mean doing it all. That's really important too. So having it all for me is being having fullness of yourself and knowing absolutely what you would love in all those aspects and allowing the fullness of yourself to show up. So when I'm with my kids, the fullness of me in that moment with them, I'm not thinking about my business. I'm not thinking about my clients or I'm not thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. I'm with them playing, cuddling, whatever it is. When I'm with my clients and my kids are at school, I'm fully with them, helping them shift their beliefs, shift their, you know, their blockages, coming to a place of feeling what they truly do want in their lives. I'm not thinking about my kids. I'm fully present with them. That's having it all for me. That's awesome. I think that's a really great um, description because that's a hundred percent within your control too. Like a lot of times people think having it all is like all these external things. And some of them maybe like they, it's something that can't be helped. They want things that they potentially can't have, or maybe it's things that they think they want, but they actually get it and they're not happy. So I think having that mindfulness around, what is it that I want? What are the, like, write down the different categories of your life, write down what it is that you want and start thinking about those things and start taking action to get those things. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like I said, it's different for every single person It's different as the person changes we have to look at, are we saying we want these things because they're being projected onto me? I remember one lady was, she just got married and she was interviewing me for the book, The Art of Having It All. And she was saying to me, you know, I think I just got married, but my mother and my mother-in-law are both pressuring me and my husband to have kids because now we're married and they're wanting to know, when are we having kids? When are we having grandkids? And she goes, I always thought all my life that I wanted to have kids, but now that I take a step back, she's like, 
don't know that I want to have kids. Well, okay. So what happens with some people, not me, but what happens with some women is that they think that they're just supposed to have kids. So they go and have kids and they're miserable. They lose themselves because it wasn't really what they wanted. They just did because they thought they should, or that that would, that was what they, you know, were projected on of what their life should be. And it's important that we ask ourselves, what do I prefer? What do I love? What do I want my life to be like? You know, because we only get one, one time in this body as the people that we are and, you know, might as well enjoy it. I mean, for me, if I'm going to drive an automobile, if I'm going to get from point A to point B, I'm going to do it in a car that I love driving. If I'm going to dress up and, you know, get in an outfit, I'm going to wear shoes and purse and, you know, all the stuff that I enjoy wearing, you know, why not? Why not? You know, you, you really can have it all, but it's your, you have to define it how you want it and know that you can create it. So how have you used all of this great knowledge in uh, raising your kids and helping them not place self-limiting beliefs upon themselves and also not putting your expectations on them so that they can be who they want to be? That's a great question. Yeah, we parent, you know, with working with the universal laws all the time. And we're, you know, always giving a lot of positive reinforcement. We don't punish our kids, but they do have consequences. So we do it in a way that we want to parent like the universe is. The universe is a cause and effect place. If you're giving out positive, you get positive. If you're giving out negative, you get negative. And their behaviors, we've taught them that from a young age. You know, your behaviors will either give you rewards or it'll give you consequences. And so now as our kids are, you know, eight, nine, almost 10, instead of doing any type of punishment or, you know, time out or anything like that, we'll have our kids say, okay, who is it that you want to be? How do you want to show up? And, you know, what are you going to be like next time this happens? And they'll write like a little, you know, journal. They start journaling in their journals of who they want to be and what kind of characteristics that they want to show. And, you know, we encourage them. Like if they're playing soccer, I'll give you an example. So it's specific. Like a few weeks ago, my youngest son, Maxim, you could tell he was on the soccer field. And, you know, for years they played recreational soccer and both of them were like, we want to play competitive soccer. So this year we put them in competitive soccer and he was just kind of lollygagging around the soccer field and the ball would come to him and he would do an error and then the team would score. And, you know, it happened a couple of times and it's like, you know, that's fine if you want to just play a little bit lollygag, but this is competitive. You said you wanted to be in competitive. If you want to be in rec, go ahead and do that. But if you're in competition, if you're in competitive, like you said, you wanted to be when your feet hit that court, that ground, that field, you're there a hundred percent because you're there with your team, you know? And we had a conversation. It's like, Hey, it's totally your choice. If you want to go and play rack and just kind of give it half, you know, half you got great. We'll support you in that. But if you're to play competitive, you got to look at it as a job. You're there a hundred percent. So now, you know, that he got it like next time. I mean, he's like all over the field and he's just like excelling and, you know, his team is like relying on him and he's starting now and, you know, he's feeling really good about himself. He's scoring goals and, you know, and it's like, we just remind him, okay, Max, okay, Alex, hundred percent, your feet hit that, you know, when you're on the bench, nothing, you know, take a break. When your feet hit that court, that, uh, field, hundred percent hundred percent effort. And they are. And so, you know, we're encouraging them to be their best, but we're also letting them know that it's really their choice. I love that. So. And I think that's hard to do as a parent sometimes because 
some parents try to live vicariously through their kids and then they try and force them into these things that they think that their kids should be doing because that's what they didn't do or didn't get to do. Or maybe if they had done it, their lives would have been better. So yeah, that's yeah. hard to do that. <laughs> it, it is. And we see parents that are doing that. You know, I saw this woman, I felt so bad the other day, her daughter was acting out and she's like, she grabbed her and she goes, what do you, what do you think people are going to think about you? What do you want people, people are going to look down on you. And I'm like, that's not what you wanted to be teaching your kid that you should be worried about what other people are going to think of them. You just be asking, how do they want to show up? What kind of character do they want? You make it internal because there's so many of us worried about what other people are going to think about us. And we're living our lives based on that as a motivation of, Ooh, will they like me? Let me just change who I am so that they like and approve of me. That's not a way to live. We're who we are. And it's like, you know, this is how I want to show up. This is the kind of person I want to be. Not because they say I should be, but because that's what who I am and that's what feels good for me. And so, you know, it's unfortunate that there's a lot of parents out there that don't have the resources to help their kids in that way because everybody is trying to do their best and they love their kids, obviously. But their own frame of reference is how their parents raise them. You know, or I see, God, we, this soccer field yesterday, there was a parent that was just screaming and yelling at his kid. I'm like, he's seven. No, he's eight. I'm like, he's eight. Encourage your child. It's like, he's not in like a, you know, NFL Super Bowl. I mean, it's like, he's a kid having fun, enjoying himself, you know, be complimenting him and encouraging him, not yelling at him and criticizing him. I mean, that's not going to help him. Awesome. Well, I really love all the different information and teachings that you've put out into the world. And I'm excited for our listeners to pick up some of your books, especially Quantum Success. Where's the best place for people to either sign up for your courses or get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Well, first of all, I'd love to gift everybody, all of your listeners, a book. So um, it's, yeah, so it's actually a hardcover Quantum Success, Seven Essential Laws, for a thriving, joyful, and prosperous relationship with work and money. That's a mouthful. They can go to and they can go to quantumsuccessbook.com. I'm gonna give you a copy of the book for free. I just ask that you take care of a shipping, which is like $7.95. So quantumsuccessbook.com. Or if you want some other free resources, you can go to christywhitman.com where I have my videos that come out every Monday on my shows. I also have free meditations, lots of different things that I do to help educate people on the seven essential laws. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And I I look forward to connecting with you more. Thank you so much, Sonia. It's been a pleasure. There was a lot there. And I hope you guys were able to get something out of that. I definitely got a lot out of it. And for me, the most important thing I learned was about the law of abundance. And having an abundance mindset is something that I do think about a lot. But that happiness horizon of I'll be happy when, I didn't realize that the law of abundance, I guess is what it's called, law of abundance actually plays a part in helping you feel satisfied with what you've done now. So that was my biggest takeaway. I'd love to see what yours is. Make sure that you post about it on social media or just send me a message and tell me what your favorite part of this episode was. Thanks so much for being here, you guys. Thank you so much to my podcast team, Roma and Tina. You make my life so much easier and you help me spend my energy creating these interviews and making sure that I could be my best self whenever I show up to chat with somebody. Hope to see you guys back here next week. Wishing you all the best success in your training adventures. Bye-bye. <laughs>